Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I want to mention before I get into today's message um, that uh, next weekend my, my pastor is going to be here to share, and I am so looking forward to that. Pastor Burt doesn't really speak out there anymore, and he's a ter- 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 <laughs> he's a terrific speaker, um, if you can say the word. He really is. He has a wonderful insight into our world and how our what's going on in our world is all talked about in here. And um, I think that I I, I bet I said whatever you feel, whatever topic he wanted to know, what subject I said, just whatever is on your heart, because I so trust his sensitivity to what the spirit might be saying. And so I encourage you to be here next week. And I suspect that if you get here early, you'll get a chair. And if you don't, I don't know what'll happen. But um, um, I, I I just really I'm so looking forward to that next week. Ten o'clock, Pastor Bert will be here. I love the book of Proverbs, and so I always want to start a proverb. So today's proverb being the 11th, I picked verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Today is the second uh, part out of a four-part series. We're taking a look at, at, at prayers. I'm, I'm actually looking at some specific prayers that Paul prayed and recorded in his letters that he wrote to the church at different churches in the New Testament. And um, it's, it's because I, I really think that we don't, want, we don't want to be praying these small, safe, you know, kind of general prayers. Instead, as, as followers of Jesus, we should be honor, uh, just praying these big, God-honoring, you know, faith-filled, specific prayers, just like Paul did. And when you look at how he prayed, he had a pretty common rhythm. I mean, you know, if you read his actual prayers, they're, they're, they're in there. And he says, I, he says, I'm asking God for something so that, and then he tells the why, what he, what he hap- hopes will happen from the result of that prayer. And we see the end result. But at an awful lot of times, I think so many of us, we just kind of get into these habits and we pray these benign, safe, you know, small smallish, generalized prayers. And I think sometimes, you know, I don't want to make fun of anybody's prayers. That's not right. I wouldn't do that, but I'm going to do that for a minute, okay? I mean, it's like, I mean, some of the prayers that we pray are kind of funny. I mean, I think about, well, when you put your kids to bed, has anybody ever heard this, you know, nighty night, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite? I mean, what's that all about, okay? I mean, that's before the prayer. You say to the kid, you know, you walk your three-year-old into a dark room where you're going to leave them alone and say, do not let the bed bugs get you in the middle of the night. You might, I, want, I want to pull my... I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's like a couple of nights ago, I didn't tell Lisa this. I, I, I got to the bed before she did, pulled back the covers, there was a spider in the bed. So, of course... <laughs> so, of course... So, of course, I killed it. I ate, no, I didn't eat it. Um, I killed the spider and got rid of it, didn't say anything to her, and we went to bed, and it was fine. I mean, imagine I had said to her, pulled the covers up, we read for a couple minutes, turned off the light, honey, I'm pretty sure I just felt a spider crawl across my leg and headed your way. Good night, <laughs> right? Why would we say to kids, don't let the bed bugs, but I don't know, but then we pray. I mean, there's these, these, these prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Nighty night, little sweetie. I'll see you in the morning. If you survive! <laughs> what is that all about? I don't know. It just, it's tradition. I mean, I don't know why the tradition... It's kind of messed up. You know, you think about it. 
the sentiment is we want to ch- teach our children to pray. And every one of you know that prayer somehow, right? All of you know about the bed bugs. What is that all about? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, we do pray some funny prayers. And there's some other kind of funny prayers. I hope this doesn't offend you, but we get into these habits. And I hear this prayer sometimes when I sit with people, and I've prayed it before. Oh, Lord, um, thanks for this meal. We pray that you would bless this food to, our, to nourish our bodies. You know, we say something like that. Bless this food for the nourishment of my body. I don't talk that way, first off. So it's kind of a weird prayer. But, I mean, have you seen some of the stuff I eat? I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't eat, I mean, oh, what about the stuff you eat, too? I mean, God looks down and says, you want me to make that nourish you? Instead, why don't you eat, like, gravel and tree bark? That might be better for you than that stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we pray these things. I mean, it's like we go to the Puyallup Fair, and uh, we say, you know what, I'm, I need you, God, to bless this deep-fried butter and my supersized Mountain Dew. Or, or have you seen now that, <laughs> Lord, bless these deep-fried Twinkies. Deep-fried Twinkies. Deep-fried Twinkies, even with bacon. Lord, bless that. Do his miracle, Lord. Nourish my bodies with it as if I was eating broccoli. Turn it into broccoli on my, in my tummy, but not until it gets past my taste buds. <laughs> so we do these kind of funny things with prayer. I don't know what to say about that. If that offends you, I'm kind of sorry. Um, and uh, you can email me at... Eric at Crossroads. Okay, that's an old joke. Okay, so today I want to look at, some, uh, at a very specific prayer that you can pray for other followers, other believers, and it's going to help them have a full understanding. If they'll, if, if they'll do what, what's in this prayer, it'll help them have a full understanding of every good thing that they have in Christ. And, and in his prayer, when Paul prays this, he draws a very, very clear connection between us actively sharing our faith, telling other people about our faith, and having a full understanding of every, every good thing that we have in Christ. So if you, bought, if you want somebody that you love to have a full understanding of every good thing they have in Christ, the way to pray for them is that they would actively share their faith. Wow, that's kind of an odd connection that Paul is making, but that's the connection. Why would I say that? Well, we're going to be today in a little book called Philemon, um, I've always said Philemon. I think it's pr- properly pronounced Philemon, but if I say Philemon, that's just my Texas version, okay? So just, I don't know if I get out of that. But okay, so if you want to look for it in your Bible, uh, Philemon is a New Testament book. It's very short. It's, you know, did you know that all the New Testament books, are, all of the T's are together? So Philemon is right after the T's and right before Hebrews. If you don't have your Bible, uh, it's going to go up on the wall. But uh, what this letter is, is it's, it's a very personal letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend, a guy named Philemon, who um, he lived in the city of Colossae. Now, Colossae is where there, is a, there was a church there um, that we call the Colossians. We, we see the letter to the Colossians. That's the place that he was writing the letter. In fact, that church was in Philemon's home. Philemon was this very successful businessman, um, very successful, and he owned slaves. And slaves, you know, they were an economic and social reality in the time under Roman rule. And so... It was, it was not that unusual. And so, so Philemon had, had, a, he had several slaves, and one of his slaves was named Onesimus. And Onesimus ran away. 
Some scholars say he took something and whatever, but he ran away, and he ran away all the way to Rome, and then somehow in Rome, he runs into the Apostle Paul. I say somehow, I think it's because the Lord drove him there, but he runs into him, and, um, and the Apostle Paul leads this, this runaway slave named Onesimus. He, he leads him to the Lord, and Onesimus is massively transformed. I mean, he is changed by his relationship. And down in his soul, he's thinking, you know, I, I want to I live righteously for this God of mine who has, has, has paid everything for me. And, and so he thinks, I've got to make this right. I've got to go back to Colossae. I've got to go back to Philemon, my master, and I've got to somehow, I'm a runaway slave. I've got to go make this right. I've got to go admit it to him. That's a bad thing because a runaway slave could be punished however, and under the Roman law, it, they could be punished however they wanted, up included, including killing him. It's a pretty big deal. I've got to make this right. I'm going to go back. So he goes back. And so Paul writes this letter to his friend, this is his buddy Philemon, saying it's, it's basically a letter vouching for Onesimus, saying, you know what? Um, you, know, you need to know that Jesus has changed this guy's life. He's coming back to you. And I want you, Philemon, to receive him as a brother in the Lord because that's what he is. So now he's, uh, you can see the stakes here. This is a pretty big deal going on. We're going to look at just a few portions of the story. And here's what Paul says to him in Philemon, uh, starting in verse 4. Philemon has only one chapter, so there's no chapter number. Philemon 4, um, 4 through 6. He says this, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Then he gives a couple of reasons. First one is, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and here comes the second reason, and your love for all the saints. That's a big deal. You know, I thank, I thank God, Philemon, because I hear you love other Christians in such a beautiful way. It's a, I thank God because of your faith in Jesus and because you have a deep love for um, other followers of Jesus. Then in verse 6, he prays, he says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? Why is he saying that? And it's important that we don't miss this. So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you may be, you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Why do you pray this? And the answer is right there in front of us. So that you have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. Now, I look at, I read these kind of stories and I try to figure out, you know, there's a backstory here that's just not explained. And I like to try to figure or, or guess maybe what was going on that would cause all of this circumstance, and including you know, the writing of the letter. And so I have some ideas, some possibilities. These are only that. This is not in the Word of God. These are just theories, possibilities. Okay, I, I try to be clear when I tell you that. These are just opinions, maybe. And I don't know what I believe, but possibly. You know, um, Onesimus, you know, had, when he lived there, he'd watched his master who was a Christian, leading a Christian church in his home, and he's a slave there, and he hears his master, Philemon, talking about Christ and love and all this kind of stuff, but maybe he didn't feel loved. Very possibly true. He was a slave. Very possible. And so he takes off, and by the time he sees Paul, maybe he's hurting. He's got a lot of questions. He's, he's, he's afraid. He's spiritually, you know, confused. I hear about love, but boy, it sure doesn't translate to me. You know, I got hurt in this church thing and whatever. And Paul's talking to him. He says, you know, I used to be just like you. I used to hate Christians, which is true. If you know who Paul was, he used to be Saul before this, and he was hunting them down and killing them. So he, you know, he used to hate Christians. And he, said, he says, but then I, I, 
he's, I could just imagine him telling Onesimus, you know, but I met Christ. And boy, did it change things for me. I mean, it was an encounter. I am a different man now. He starts telling him the story. The slave's heart gets touched, and boom, Onesimus somewhere in there gets saved, and he's transformed. He's changed. He is absolutely different. And as they're talking, Paul, you know, he says, yeah, I know, where are you from? Well, I Colossae, I lived with a guy named Philemon. Philemon? Dude, I know him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know him. Wait a second, wait a second. You lived in Philemon's house, and he never told you about Christ? Okay, now I'm thinking, if this is true, I'm thinking Paul's going, okay, I know now how to pray for my friend Philemon because there's something here that wasn't right. Something not right here. And he says, uh, okay, so he writes, Philemon, I thank God that I hear about your faith in Jesus and your love for the saints. And, and Paul's thinking, yeah, yeah, but wait a second. But, but Philemon, also don't forget, you should be praying to be actively sharing your faith because this guy lived with you, and he never heard any of this. And so, I, I mean, that's a possibility. I think it's a probability. It's kind of what I think must have happened. I guess I'll find out someday in the by and by, but... I think, I think that maybe Paul knew something that was true then is still true today, and it's this. One of the most dangerous places that Christians to get to is an inward-looking, self-centered version of Christianity, where instead of loving the people who are far from God, we start to judge them instead. Instead of having an attitude of trying to reach out to people, we choose to retreat maybe sometimes even to run away from them. And before long, people, Christians, can get this bunker-up mentality where, you know, we just stay away from the world. The world's bad. I mean, stay away from those people. They're not Christians. You know, stay away from those people. They go to R-rated movies. They listen to secular music. Their children watch SpongeBob SquarePants and Teletubbies. They stay away from those people. But here's the deal. Jesus you know, said just before, one of the last things he said before he ascended to heaven was, he didn't say, hey, Christians, get in your houses and hide. He said, he said, no. He said, go into the world and shine. He said, get out there and shine. Go into the world and preach the gospel. And, and the reason Jesus said that, and he said it because people who believe on Jesus Christ and are baptized will be saved, and those who don't believe will be condemned. It's pretty big stuff. Jesus says, get out there and tell people about this. You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and you can read about this in, in, in Mark 16 and in Matthew 5. He basically says, don't, don't run from the darkness. You, you get out there and you shine into the darkness. And the problem is that so often our tendency, and we can get there easily, is to become inward-looking, you know, and we can start arguing over stupid little things. I mean, you know, that's not the way we do church. Or, you know, the, the Greek word didn't really say that. It said, or, I'm sorry, but that's the wrong version of the Bible. And we get off on these things. And, and, and you can almost hear the Apostle Paul saying to Philemon, don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, always be active in sharing your faith. And you have to agree, I think, you know, that if you follow Jesus, it's it's kind of important that sharing our faith is, is sharing our faith is important. Most Christians agree that sharing our faith is important. But sadly, many Christians never do. 
And so here's a peek of that, um, according to a study from LifeWay Research. I won't leave this up for very long, but you can see the big blue. Those are people, uh, Christians, who in the past six months have uh, not shared their faith or not invited anybody to church. And when you add the green, the one to two times, so it's like 80% or, or more. Christians generally, generally don't. You can take that down. It feels to me like a hammer on my heart. I, I'm guilty up there too. So, I mean, I know, I, I know it's important. And you and I both know it's important. So the question is, we know it's important, but why don't we do it? Why, why don't we share our faith? And I, I think there are lots of reasons. Um, I think we can just get busy. We can just, you know, get busy and forget about the importance of it. Or, or I think one of the main reasons is we just don't want to be that weird guy, you know, you know what I'm talking <laughs> You know, that Jesus loves you. Hey, Jesus loves you. We don't want to be that weird guy, although we believe that to be true. We, we, we don't want to be that guy. Or We also, especially in our culture today, we don't want to force our beliefs on anybody. And, and that's, that's absolutely fair. And I, I think, though, that one of the biggest, maybe the biggest reason that most of us don't share our faith in Christ more often than we do is that we just don't feel like we know enough. We, you know, we think, if, if I just knew a little bit more, I'd do some more, but I just don't feel like I know enough. It's like if I, I, I know this in my soul, it's so true and it's so hope-filled, but I'm afraid if I share it with some person, it'll be that guy who's this studied-up atheist that knows all of the right ways to attack Christianity, although they lack substance, but, but I won't be able to answer them, so I just don't really know enough. And here's where this, this disconnects, because we think that if I just understood more, then I'd share my faith. But Paul is declaring through this prayer that that's not how it works. He's saying that when you share your faith, then you'll understand more. When you share your faith, then you will understand more. And there's this kind of cycle. I, th- I think there's a cycle that starts up. And here's how this cycle plays out in your everyday life. So Paul's praying that we would constantly share our faith in Jesus. So you see us sharing our faith. And when we share our faith in Jesus, something really, really good happens. Lives are impacted. Their lives are changed. Maybe you're planting a seed. Maybe you're watering a seed. Maybe, maybe you know, who knows? But God makes a difference in their life. And while God is making a difference in their life, God is also doing something really special inside your life at the same time. God helps you to, the scripture says, God helps you get a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. And suddenly, you're growing deeper in your walk you're, you're falling more in love with Jesus, and um, you're learning to walk by the Spirit and so forth. So, so, so you want to share your faith even more. And as you do that, your heart is changing. You're becoming more outward. You're, you're becoming more evangelistic. You're becoming more loving. You're becoming more focused on other people, which in turn causes you to want to share some more. So you share, and it goes on. Your lives are impacted. You understand more. You become more outward, and around and around it goes. And when you, when you have this, when you have this cycle occurring in your life, this, these, this is the two big things that Jesus told us to do. He said, you know, we're called to love God and we're called to love people. Love God and love people. So when you share your faith, good things actually happen to you, to you. But here's, unfortunately, where these, this gets off the rails so often. We feel like we don't know enough or, or, or we're not ready or we're just not good enough. And so we don't share our faith and 
lives then because of that they're just not really impacted because we're just doing our own little inward looking Christian thing and and uh, we don't because of that because we're not sharing our faith we don't grow spiritually and we don't grow into a deeper understanding of the good things that Christ had those things that that are promised in that scripture aren't happening because we're not doing the beginning part of it and instead of being outward focused we become more inward looking Christians and then over time this happens very slowly over a long period of time when we're not sharing our faith we can become very lukewarm in the things that we do for the Lord and our attitude about God. And this is the reason, I think, one of the reasons I believe Paul was praying for Philemon. Hey, Phil, you know, you love the church, but um, don't forget, begin, you've got to remember to share your faith. And, um, you know, he's basically saying that as, as lives are changed by that, you're going to have a fuller understanding of the good things that you have in Christ. You'll, you'll end up with this outward focus. You'll end up with this really positive spiritual momentum going on in your life, and so um, last week, we started this, this uh, series about pray, prayer, and, and if you were here, we were learning to, to pray you know, for, for people to know the power that they need to know the love of Christ. I won't reteach last week's message, but to really know the love of Christ, Scripture says that that's supernaturally revealed. You can't really understand the love of God without it being supernaturally revealed. Um, revealed to you, and Scripture says to pray for power for people to know the love of Christ. And so we, we um, I think over, over the course of this series, we're going to slowly accumulate an arsenal of great prayers that will help us know how to pray for people and how to get focused. But today I want to start praying for other believers um, and for ourselves that, that we would continue to share our faith. That's what the prayer is going to be all focused on. You know, pray for your teenagers. Pray for your Eight-year-old, pray for your spouse. Pray for your pastors. Pray for me. Pray for the Christians that you work with. Pray that you would continuously share your faith, that you'd be active in sharing your faith. And when you do, Scripture says, you'll have a full understanding of the good things that that God has for you in, in Christ. Now, let me very clearly warn you. If you pray this prayer and you ask for the Lord to give you opportunities, he will answer that prayer. He will. If you pray that prayer this week, today, Lord, help me be more active in sharing my faith. Okay, I actually just prayed that. I promise you, I'm going to get opportunities this week. They will show up. They're going to show up. There will be an opportunity. It doesn't mean necessarily you, you preach the, 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 the road to salvation. and the, you know, you don't, you Maybe. But sharing your faith is way more than just that. And there will be opportunities. And, and I think since m- many people just don't feel fully equipped, I want to give you four very simple ways to share your faith that are going to all be loosely based on some Bible stories. And um, then when God gives you those moments in response to the prayer that, you, that you're going to pray, that I hope you're praying already, um, we're going to see some wonderful forward momentum spiritually in your life. Okay, different ways to share your faith. There's four of them. Number one, you can be loving but direct. One way is to be loving but direct. You know, it's, 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 you need to be very loving if you're going to do this. And there will be, can be a time when you are very, very direct. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 2. Um, Peter is preaching, and he's actually preaching to thousands of people. And he says, you know, he basically says, comes out and says, you need to repent of your sins. I mean, this is direct. And um, <laughs> he, he, repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized. That's pretty direct. I mean, bang, that's... Notice that he didn't say, hey, um, 
You know, what you people could do is you could explore your spiritual options and then maybe consider what kinds of things might happen. No, he's, this is the time where he's being like, boy, spot on. You need to repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there will be times when the Holy Spirit will tell you to be direct. And here are a couple of the elements that will happen when, he, when those times occur. One is that because you have a heart full of love, he will never tell you to be direct when it's going to come from anything other than love. So if you want to tell somebody that and you're angry at them, don't do it. That's like being what, what 1 Corinthians 13 calls a banging gong and a clanging cymbal. Sometimes if you want to know what that sounds like, come on and stick your head in here. We'll bang on the cymbal. And when you're done being in pain, it's the equivalent. That's what that scripture is telling you, that, that if you were to be direct with someone and it wasn't based in love, it's just going to hurt. And they're going to move away from you and whatever you said at light speed. So there will be times. But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, trust that the Holy Spirit's already been at work loosening the soil and that the direct words are what the person needs to hear. And because it's love-laced, the Holy Spirit will use it. So sometimes there is a season. There was this guy um, (laughs) that came to um, the church we were in. This is a long time ago, probably, I mean, 30 years ago. And um, he was a guest on a Wednesday night, and he came. I can't remember his name, but when he described himself, he said, I can't remember his name. Lisa might be able to remind me, but he, he stated his name, and then this phrase, always, hi, I'm so da 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 And then he would say this phrase, and it would be like, hi, my name is Terry Fisher, and here's the phrase, wall-to-wall Jesus, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Terry, wall-to-wall Jesus, 24 hours a day. I mean, he meant it. This guy was just, do you remember that? You, okay, so, um, so he came on this Wednesday night, and he taught this crowd. He, says, he, he was wall-to-wall Jesus. He was loving, but it was, it was like one extra spoon too much sugar in the coffee kind of thing. For me, for me. But what he did was he nudged me out of my seat. I don't think this has been more than 30 years ago because it was way before I started pastoring. And so um, he, he, he teaches this class on a Wednesday night, and basically he says, here's how you go up to a total stranger in the public and ask them, about salvation and lead them to the Lord if you want to. <laughs> so he taught us on this class, and the Wednesday night service was really short. Okay, here's how you do it. Train us. We, we practice it. In, you know, several hundred people. This is in Olympia. Okay, we're going to now suspend the service. You've got an hour. Get downtown. Go try this out. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking a lot of people are just going to bail. But, 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 but then come back, and we're going to talk about it. So so we did, Lisa and I went, and we ended up down at Capitol Lake in Olympia. And so we're roaming around. I feel bad for people that were out for a picnic on that. It was a Saturday. It was a, it was a, a summer night. And um, so I went up and talked to two or three people. And I think the first person I talked to was very friendly, and they let me talk to them, and they went their way. But after that, all I could run into was other living water people trying to share the gospel. And I started feeling really bad for the people. I think we flushed them out of the park that day. One thing the guy said was, you know, always pray before you go talk to the person. It was scary. I was kind of praying that they would say, hey, leave me alone. (laughs) When you're supposed to be direct, the Holy Spirit will warn you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Okay, so directness when it's led by the Holy Spirit, then it becomes light. When it's based on a formula, or when directness is based upon force of personality, that's not, and it lacks love, that's just not, that's not God. 
but when God's leading you, you can be loving and direct. The second way you can, you can share your faith, and I think any one of you, every one of you can do this at some time, is that you share your story. I mean, every one of you believers has a very powerful story um, about you. And, and there's this great story in John chapter 9. I, I like this one because um, it's a great story, but if you read the aftermath right after the healing that takes place in the, for this guy and the conversation between this healed man and the Pharisees, it's kind of fun to read. I won't go into all of it, but so this guy was, was, was born blind. Jesus, Jesus heals his eyes. And um, now the Pharisees are having this big debate about this. Well, Whose fault was it that he was blind in the first place? I mean, they've completely lost the fact that the guy's healed and he can see. He was blind and he can see. They've lost that. You know, well, whose fault was it that this guy was blind? Was he a sinner? Were his parents sinners? Like, okay, talk about messed up theology. Neither one of those is true. Jesus explains that to them. Um, but the, now they're, they, they don't like that. They don't like the fact that Jesus is, is, is demonstrating the power of God. They're just, you know, they're not liking it. So now they go after the, the guy's mom and dad. Hey, What's the deal with him? Mom and dad are so afraid of the Pharisees, they throw their son under the bus. This is terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting read. Should be like a soap opera or something. Hey, he's grown up. Go ask him. They don't want to answer the question. So the Pharisees make the loop back to this guy who's healed, and they start asking him all these questions. You know, you know what's, what's the deal? What did you do to make yourself blind? And, and Jesus, he healed you on the Sabbath. He, he's a sinner. Jesus is bad. Because, and, and the guy says, you know what? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Here, I'm going to paraphrase. But basically, he says, I don't know about all of your theological arguments. I don't understand any of that. I just know this. I was blind, and now I see. I mean, you can get into whatever arguments you want. You can take whatever position you want. All I know is this. I was blind, and now I can see. Wow. Some of you have a story. Your story has power in it, and you don't have to womp it up at all. You shouldn't. You should just be sincere and tell your story. I mean, I used to be an addict, and, but because of Jesus, now I'm not. I, I, used to, I used to be hurting, but because of Jesus, now I have peace. I used to... I used to be lost, but because of Jesus, I'm found. I have hope. And some of you have got some wild stories. Some of them are wild, wild stories. Tell them. Tell your story. You know, and um, you tell your version, and you just, just sit back and watch. When that story combined with love and sincerity, will, God will use to impact the lives of another person. And here's the thing, it'll, you'll be amazed, and it'll look like a coincidence to you, but it's not. But you'll be amazed how often your story will have some sort of divine overlap or intersection with their story. And they'll go, wow, I want what you have. This is, this is a big deal, you know. And your story, maybe it's painful. You know, I, I lost a child too. Or my marriage caved in too and I remember the pain of that whole divorce and I was wounded in church too or you know this is so such and such happened to me and but let me tell you what God did and you tell your story you can be loving and direct you can share your story another one and this is pretty simple I think it's simple you can invite people to church you can do that too I mean that's simple it doesn't get much easier than, hey, come on with me on a Sunday. You know, an hour and 15 minutes, nothing weird will happen to you, and then we'll have cookies and coffee. It'll be okay. It'll really be okay. 
And this is, this is kind of what the, there's a, a woman called, the, a, she was a Samaritan woman. This story is in John chapter 4. And Jesus has this interaction with this Samaritan woman. And, and, and typically, a Jewish man would not have any interaction with a, with a Samaritan woman. Typically, when, when the Jews would travel the land, um, to, they would avoid that entire region and they would walk around. They wouldn't go across, even if it was way shorter. So, so Jesus has this encounter with this Samaritan woman. And, and uh, just, I kind of have a little rabbit trail. You know, I don't, do, you know, don't want to take too much time with this, but um, Samaritans were, if you don't, who were the Samaritans? The Samaritans lived in that area and they were, um, there, were there were times when the land was conquered and came and went and they were people who remained in the land, but, but by and large, they, they, they worshipped Yahweh, the same God, but they didn't hold to some of the basic tenets that the rest of the Jewish people did. They only believed the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Pentateuch. Um, they only believed that those, that's the canon of Scripture. The rest of the books in the Old Testament, like the rest of the Jewish people, they didn't, they didn't honor those the same way. They, um, they were typically a, a racially mixed society, be, maybe between Jewish people and the people in the surrounding pagan lands that had been conquered by the Jews. So they brought into, um, into their culture some things that, that the strict, strict adhering Jews um, objected to. And so there was a lot of animosity between the traditional Jews and the Samaritans. And uh, the Samaritans had their temple on Mount, a place called Mount Gerizim instead of on Mount Zion, which is in, in Jerusalem. And, and in fact, they weren't even allowed to go to the temple in Jerusalem. So Jesus is, is having this intersection. He's, he's, he's encountered this woman, and they're at this well. And it's a famous well that all the Jews know about. And, um, and, and a well then would be kind of like the place where you would go and maybe meet people and gather and have something to drink. Bless that little one. Little miracle of the Lord. We love our kids. And we do. Yeah, we love our little ones. I'll hold her. Dad, Dad's got it under control. I'll take my turn later. Um, I mean that, by the way. We love our little ones. So he has this, this, this encounter with this woman, and she's at, she's at the Starbucks of the day, the well, okay? So there's a conversation, and um, she's going to get some water for him, and um, he, shakes, he says, hey, go get your husband and bring him back. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yeah, you're telling the truth. You don't. You've had five already, and the guy you're living with, the shack, you're shacked up now, he's not your husband either. <laughs> now, he's got this woman's attention, and um, somehow, somehow our Lord was the ability to say these very direct words, but still she knew he loved him. So, I mean, you can see the drama building up here, and she starts saying some things, and he, he basically is saying to her, you know, you've gone from man to man to man to man because you thirst, you're hungry for something, and you're not able to find it. Translate. You're, you've gone from drug to drug to drug to drug. You've gone from... Buying and buying and buying and buying. You, you, you go through all these things in your life searching, but you're not finding what you're after. Listen, you're pulling some water out of that well for me right now. But I can give you water that if you drink it, you're never going to thirst again. You see what's going on here? He's telling her a great, great, great story here. He, he, says, he says, you're never going to thirst. She's so moved by this. She runs back to her community and she says, hey, you got to come and see this man who told me things about me. He, 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 he looked into my soul and he spoke truth to me and I've, I've changed. This is a, come on, come on, come on. Come to church. She runs to town 
And here's what happens. You can read this in John chapter 4, starting at verse 39. He says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Jesus hangs out there for a couple of days. And because of his words, which Isaiah 55, 11 promises us, that God's words will never come back empty-handed. That's a paraphrase. But it basically says that God's words will always reap some sort of a harvest when you share God's words. And by the way, you might notice I paraphrase. I'll tell a story rather than always quoting the scripture. I do quote a lot of scriptures. You have no idea how many I quote in a sermon. A lot. Um, it's okay if you can't quote it and put the commas in the right place. Don't change the meaning, right? But it's okay if you tell the story without reading the passage, okay? Because a lot of people in our culture, if you say, hold on a minute, and you start flipping through and you're going to read something to them, the... the, the the same thing that you would tell them if you just said, hey, let me tell you the story, and you just tell the story. They'll listen to the story, but they won't let you read it to them out of the Bible. So anyway, so, um, you know, you can do this. You can, you can do what she did. You can say, hey, just come on, come with me to church. It's, it's going to be okay. God will be there. You're going to sense something about God's love for you. And it's not nothing mystical. There's nothing special about what goes on there, but God's, God's going to show up, and he cares for people. Now, Okay, Terry, do you do this? Yeah, I do. It's kind of awkward for me to invite people to this church, which is what I do. I say, come on, you got to try it. It's, it's, it's awkward because it's almost like me saying, hey, come to this church. You get to hear me talk. And my mom says I'm great, you know. <laughs> Mom's not here today. So that's really awkward. But So I invite people, and here's what I tell them. I brag about you, which is true. I say, this is a friendly group of people. They will love on you. You will be accepted there. Nothing weird will happen to you. There's food afterwards. It's not going to hurt you, but it'll be good for you. I tell them that. You'll be cared about. And um, so, I mean, I, it's awkward, but I do, I do it. So how do you share your faith? One more thing that you can do is invite somebody to church. Number four, and this one is easy, you can live a life that other people will want. Is that easy? I don't know. You can live a life that other people will want. Paul and Silas... There's a story about them that, where they do this. They're, these guys, Paul and Silas, are in prison. This is in the book of Acts. And, and they're, they're in prison, but somehow they're having a worship service. You know, they're worshiping in the, in the middle of, of this place that nobody would want to be. And, um, you know, I suppose the jailers are looking on going, you know, most people in our jail aren't doing this. What's on with these guys? Anyway, God does this miracle, shakes the place. The doors spring open. Out they can go if they want. The, the, the main jailer's thinking, oh, this is not a good day for me because under Roman law, if a jailer lost his prisoner, if the prisoner escaped, the jailer was put to death. It's a bad day to have a breakout, you know. And it's be like, put them all in Alcatraz or something, I don't know, but do not let them out. And so he's getting ready to commit. So he's, I, they're going to kill me. I, I just need to kill myself. And he's literally getting ready to. Anytime I tell this story, I, I sense something of the Holy Spirit, which I sense right now, and I'm going to say this. This is off topic. Suicide is never the answer. There is a God who loves you, and in spite of this, the depth of the hole that you may sense that you're in, there's a way out, and God will lead you. That is not the answer. Anyway, so he's there, and before he can get to, the, to, to do that... Um, Paul says, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's okay, it's okay. We stayed. 
We didn't take off. Don't, do your, don't, don't, don't kill yourself like this. Now, the jailers, <laughs> wow, what is going on here? How, how is it that you could have gotten free and you didn't? What are you, what's going on in you? Whatever you got going on in your life, I want to live like that. If you can be in a jail and have peace, and you have a worship service, you have the freedom to leave if you want, but you don't because you have so much peace that, you're, that, you, that you don't. You know, whatever it is that you have that I don't have, I want that. And he says this, this phrase, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Wow. And Acts 16.30 gives the answer. It says, if you believe on your heart in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. In other words, he's saying to them, I've seen that you have something that I want. I don't have it. I want what you have. And you've probably... Either you are or you've encountered people who they have such a walk with God that when terrible news comes into their life, you know, you have cancer, they still, they're not rocked by that. They've got some sort of peace that they have. And, and you think, how do you do that? How, how is it, wait a second, this is the time for fear and, you know, wringing of hands and, and, and the answer is, I just, I don't know, I just feel a sense of grace and peace. Jesus has got this. I'm, I'm going to be Okay. We can all live in such a way that people around us have a hunger for the kinds of qualities that are present in our life. And that's one of the reasons, you know, that we should pray Paul's prayer. You know, um, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. God, help me have an active life of sharing good news. God, every day, give me opportunities for me to share my faith. Help me get them at a pace that I can grow. Why do we do that? It's so that we'll have a full understanding of every good thing that God has for us in Christ. So that we'll have this outward focus, an outward focus. And when you ask God to give you those opportunities, he's going to. And then three things are going to happen. These are really cool. Three things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to get to, to play a part in what is absolutely a divine story. It's a divine story. You know. You're going to get to play a part in somebody else's spiritual story. Maybe you're planting the seed. Maybe you'll be watering the seed. Maybe you're going to be there for the harvest, but you, know, you get to make a difference in somebody else's life. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and when you do that, what that does is it brings spiritual momentum in your life, in your life, into your heart, and your faith grows. You get to play a role in somebody else's story. Number two, your faith grows. It grows. You know, sometimes you'll be talking with someone about some circumstance, and you won't really know what to say to them about their circumstance, and boom, all of a sudden, this scripture floats to the top of your mind. Where'd that come from? Well, God stuck it there. God spoke it to your spirit. He prepared you for that moment. And, you know, you know then all of a sudden, you're praying on target for that person, and you start to pray for more and more people and your faith is growing and your faith starts to expand and those are all good things. Third thing is the final thing is when you share your faith is you're going to be reminded of what you have in Christ. You will be reminded of what you have in Christ and that's why you'll get that full understanding. Now, for some of us here, there was, there was a time when you were more passionate about Jesus, and maybe now you're not. It's likely 
in the time between when you were passionate about Jesus and now that in that time frame, somewhere you stopped sharing your faith. That's probably why. Because when people do share their faith, something happens inside of them. You know, when you're telling people the gospel story, when you're telling people about the forgiveness of sins, when you're telling people about God's promises, which we sang about today, I believe the very spirit of God moves in cadence. He moves in, into your life and starts using you in ways um, in the life of follow. And, and the thing is this, the Holy Spirit, 100% of the time, is pointing the way to Jesus. Pointing the way to Jesus. And it's, it's not that, you know, hey, if you're a Christian, you'll have this perfect life and you'll have, you won't have these problems. No, it's when the problems come, God will be there for you and he'll lead you. The Lord orders the steps of the righteous. The faithful will never go begging. All these things that will happen when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The very Spirit of God moves into the life of a follower. And when that Spirit gets in there and loves you and convicts you and equips you and comforts you and empowers you, suddenly you're walking by faith and not by sight. And you have this loving relationship with a God that you can know, who speaks to you, who cares about you. And when that's going on, there's no way for you to be lukewarm. There's no way. When you share, lives are changed, you have an outward focus, and you want to share even more. I want to pray this prayer one more time, or read this out loud, and then we'll pray and close. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Let's pray.